what I, I do you I how do I say this? That she was a said good way to say it. <laughs> do you want to go see your grandpa? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Blair. And I'm Kirsten. And we are Mediocre Contents. And we've got, I we just finished recording the last ad of this quarter, and it is phenomenal. <laughs> you guys are going to flip. It's so good. <laughs> you'll hear it in this episode, so uh, feel free. Well, Stay actually, tuned. Yeah, they'll, they'll hear it in this episode, I think. They will. Yeah, that'll be great. Give us your feedback. <laughs> it's it's going to be good. Not to hype it up too much because it is just an ad, but it's going to be good. <laughs> and we say ad loosely because we make the ads and right. We yeah. So we don't, get, we don't get paid for any of this, but it's no. <laughs> we pay ourselves in time spent together. Aww. That's right. Gross. <laughs> Super gross. <laughs> oh, so how are you this week? What's, what's going on on your side of town? Um, well, I am an iPad girly now. Just oh so you God. guys know, the aesthetic <laughs> is real. She got an okay. iPad. <laughs> she got an iPad. She got life together. She got an iPad. It's so funny. Um, yeah. So that's happened. It it's a work in progress. I'll let you guys updated on how it's going. And by that, I mean it's. I won't keep you updated at all. Like it's just. <laughs> we'll completely forget about it and move on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fair. But that's what's new over here. Also, Chris is not feeling super well. He's a little Aww. bit under the weather. But, uh, you know, I also, Tyler and I got a stomach bug last night. Like, my stomach is still not that great. And I don't know if it's just going around or what we ate, but it wasn't like unusual things for us to eat. Yeah. I don't know. It's just been like weird. Yeah. So I had a stomach bug like a month ago. Mm-hmm. I had a head cold and then now Chris has the head cold. Oh. So I think it's just us like reintegrating into society <laughs> and <Gross>. now <laughs> we're just all getting sick because oh. it's going around work too. It's like not it? uncommon. I don't yeah. know. Well, and Tyler also, this is like first week of push too. So like he is around a bunch of new people also so right. maybe he brought yeah. something home or something i like think that. our immune systems are still recovering absolutely they are not prepared <laughs> um so i wanted to interject really quickly i know that before we do our good news and stuff we typically have a disclaimer but i have kind of a not disclaimer for this episode honestly um I would like to in in an interesting twist. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, as you know, from the title, we will be going to the moon today. Uh, but I would also like to say in most cases, most of the sources that we get for a lot of our content are, you know, they're, they're good. I mean, we wouldn't pick them if they weren't, but this one is straight from NASA itself. So I would like to say that we are pretty positive about the information that we have today. Like, obviously, still go do your own research and do not just quote us for advice or anything. But I'm feeling pretty confident about our information (laughs) accuracy. She said, don't question me. It's from NASA. (laughs) It's from NASA. (laughs) Just want to throw that into the mix. (laughs) Love that for you. I love that so much. I figured, you know, why not? Also, this is part one of what I'm going to call the solar series because I dreamt that this is what we were going to be doing today. And so I'm going to make it real. 
it came to her in a prophecy. It's so we're doing solar <laughs> systems now. Yeah, it's that twilight dreaming when you're like supposed to be up, but your brain is still like, hey, do you want to talk about something? And you're like, no, not really. <laughs> no. It's like 6 a.m. <laughs> on a Sunday. <laughs> anyway. Well, this um, should be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. So strap on your boots, yo. <laughs> moon boots. Uh, but before we go to the moon, feel free to give us some good news. <laughs> As we depart. Yes. Okay. So I like to call this 50% science corner and 50% <laughs> regular good news. Okay. Cause I tried really hard to not get science related good news. Meanwhile, because... the entire episode is also science no. related. So like, no, this is, this is the problem is like <clears throat> most good news is like science related. I scoured the internet and like, it's true. There's a, there's a few like really nice heartfelt stories that are like mm, you know mm-hmm. so-and-so found their wedding ring or so-and-so's dog like returned to them after three months abroad in Europe or something like that <laughs> I don't know <laughs> and, but like a lot of it is science related because that's yeah. like the only good thing happening right now I mean there's a lot of problems with this with the environment obviously Facts. but like there's a mm-hmm. lot of really good discoveries that give us a lot of hope too so I mean yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's good so, news. You know? <clears throat> anyway, without further ado, I have a story about cool plants. I'm so and ready. <laughs> so as if you have plants, you already know that plants can improve the air quality in your room mm-hmm. because they take in CO2 and produce oxygen, which is what we breathe. Right. Okay. Everybody <laughs> on the same page. Woo. So now scientists have found, and this is not a conclusive study, Mm. but scientists have found that plants could possibly be also sanitizing the air in your room as well. Like a purifier, like an air purifier. Nice. Similar to that. So when absorbing sunlight, plants produce a biochemical that is a common site among home first aid kits, which is hydrogen peroxide. Okay. Okay. So, um, and hydrogen peroxide is used for disinfecting wounds and just like a general mm-hmm. disinfectant. It's very nice. It's a natural chemical. We love it. It is found to spontaneously be present in microscopic water droplets floating through the air in rooms with house plants. So we're thinking that like hydrogen peroxide was found concentrated in water vapor emerging out of the leaves of house plants. So basically plants are sweating hydrogen peroxide. I mean, ew, because you're sweaty, but also thank you, I guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like the idea is, is that if these water vapor droplets collide with like a water droplet with the flu, which is spread through droplet. Uh, mm-hmm. What is the word I'm looking for? Um, Come on, nurse. <laughs> I, through droplets in the air. We'll just say that. Right, right. Could, and so then that that could sanitize that flu right. virus and then poof, the flu is gone. Wow. Right. So now again, this is not, there's, there needs to be more research mm-hmm. done on this, but this is just like what they have potentially found. Right. Um, <clears throat> the two plants that give off the most hydrogen peroxide. So if you're trying to be real sanitized in your house, <laughs> the African violets, Okay. Which are very pretty too, by the way. Mm-hmm. And the um devil's ivy. Nice. Also, and I did not research and see if they're safe for animals or anything like that. So just figure that out on your own. But um and 
but yeah, so those are the two. And then in this study, we report the first findings of hydrogen peroxide production via transpired water vapor and show that surprisingly, all transpiring plants are likely contributing to local and thus global atmospheric hydrogen peroxide concentrations. Mm. Hydrogen production by plants may have implications in indoor qual air quality, such as hospitals, high density regions, such as mega cities and rural regions impacted by forest fires. Our work further implicates plants such as, as a uh, implicates plants as a viable nature-based <laughs> solution for air quality improvement and to defend against pathogenic outbreaks of infectious disease. So in theory, mm -hmm. if we just, you know, increase the amount of plants, mm -hmm. we can decrease the amount of infectious diseases in theory. Right. No, Again, lots yeah. of testing needs to be done. Lots needs to be confirmed. But like, mm -hmm. I like this idea. I think this is lovely. And they have also, I've seen recent, I feel like we maybe talked about this in a good news. I can't remember, but where they have the buildings in major cities, what they're uh, like, what they put on the side is like some kind of porous something. And then they put like moss on the buildings mm -hmm. themselves because one, it cools things off Two, they're thinking it will purify the air and make it easier to breathe and like cut yeah. down pollution. And I'm wondering if that's related in their like scientific journey, totally. you know, as they're discovering these different ways to reduce pollution and things like that, that would make more sense too. I would think, yeah. I mean, That's plants cool. are the MVPs, really. I mean, I mean, dang. I mean, they're overwhelmed right now. I mean, whether you believe in global warming or not, whatever, we, it just is what it is. But there's a lot of pollution out there. And right now, I feel like part of the problem is we're overproducing that. And a lot of the energy that would be used in plants to kind of help reduce that is just being overwhelmed as yeah. well. So, yeah. you know. Well, and there's a reason they call the Amazon like the lungs of the well, of the right, earth, right, exactly. because it's like air, a giant air purifier for the entire right. world. Exactly, exactly. So, moving on to our next one. Um, so in Mumbai, there is an overpass that is painted lots of pretty colors, and underneath Ooh. of it, um. The Sector 15 San Panda overpass in Mumbai, mm -hmm. a um, a video went viral of kids playing with toys, and there's like a basketball court oh, and yeah. um, a gym, like a, a jungle gym, and like all kinds of stuff underneath the underpass. Oh. And the overpass is two thousand or excuse me. 20,000 square feet and um, under the tallest section, three courts, three, there are three courts for badminton, one for basketball, a cricket zone with a pitch of 22 yards enclosed Ooh. by a net and um, a sizable skating rink, running track and yoga area. Good grief. <laughs> yes. Wow. And, and like I said, the whole complex is painted in really bright, like red, oh. blue, yellow, green. And basically this is their solution to not having enough space. And mm. so they turned in, they turned this into like an area where people right. can like hang out and stuff. 
That's amazing. Because they don't have, I guess they just, in the city, there's not enough parks. And so, right. and they're just using this dead space mm-hmm, as like mm-hmm. an area for people to hang out. And they turned it into a really nice little park and they're doing it to other complexes or other, other overpasses as well in the city. Awesome. That's amazing. I thought so. That's a great Super use of cool. the space. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, we could do that here. Yeah, that we could be cool. Definitely do. Can you imagine all the skate parks I would go? Oh my god! I know. <laughs> Throwing it back to the early two thousands. <laughs> that would be perfect. That, that would be, be perfect. So cool. Well, that's so, nice. Yeah. Anyway, I love it. just a little feel good. People yeah. using their brains to make things better type story. Honestly, we love that. <laughs> I agree. Please use your brains. <laughs> You have beautiful Please use brains. Your brains to make things better. Yes, exactly. Um, we have big brains in today's episode. Do you like that? Is that segue? Is that good? Uh, I would say I feel like you could do better. Oh I my feel God. like I feel like there could be I'm sorry. I feel oh, like you crowd. Could... <laughs> um Speaking of brains, today okay. is ours. <laughs> talk about the moon. I did not use my brain. I used NASA's brain. So I yeah. guess I can't even say that. Well, whatever. We're segueing into the first half. Here we go. Strap in. <laughs> um, so I have a personal fascination with space and planetary alignments. I would say there's a lot of people out there that do, honestly. Um, and I put in my own joke, uh, because I write these and I'm fine with it. So, uh, I don't know if Mercury is in the microwave, but we're not talking about Mercury. We're talking about the moon. So we'll deal with Mercury another day. If you know, you know, if you know, you know, I would also like to preface in this episode that much like all the scientific pieces that we talk about, and even Blair hinted at in her good news, History, archaeology, science, all of these discoveries are vastly um, undiscovered and also uh, still in process of a lot of data checking. A lot of scientific theories are still on the table. So, um, well, and the thing, just like a little reminder, mm -hmm. the thing about science is like people, I think, jump to conclude that like oh well right. this changed so obviously you guys are liars and blah 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 and right that's not the case it's just the fact that scientists are willing to acknowledge when they're wrong mm-hmm. and they're willing to accept new information and change their opinion and that is because they are under the understanding that pretty much everything is a hypothesis. And that means that you are in testing. You are testing for accuracy, not accepting facts when data comes back all the time. You have to bring in the data, analyze it, and that may change your opinion. It may change your hypothesis. Who knows? But all of that is to say all the information included in NASA's discoveries and in their future travels through space and through the moon and as data comes back just know that things are more than likely going to change they change all the time and so again do your own research dive deep into these topics if they interest you we always include the urls to where we find the information and so whenever there is new discoveries or if data changes and proves something else to be true you're going to find it on those on those websites so just exactly I just wanted to say, keep that in mind. 
if you listen to this and you're like, actually, data today says, yes, absolutely, it probably does. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And if you're listening to this like a year or two yeah. years from now, yeah, you know, things Let change. Them, yeah. yeah. People change. Life changes. <laughs> it's okay. Life goes on. (laughs) So with all of that nitty gritty out of the way, let's start with basic moon facts. Yay. Moon facts. Woo. Moon, Uh, moon, moon, moon. Oh my gosh. That's a throwback too. Oh my gosh. (laughs) If you know, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And rate us five stars. If you got that reference. (laughs) And if you don't know, go look it up. It's adorable. Um, okay, so the moon is about 233,210 miles from Earth, which is equivalent to about 375,315 kilometers, you know, for those that are in the metric system. Uh, the moon's radius is about 1,080 miles or 1,740 kilometers, which is about a third of the width of Earth. Um, also a little fast math for you. If you want the diameter of that, just multiply the radius by two. So use your high school diploma. Well, (laughs) yay geometry. (laughs) Yay. Um, also (laughs) in my reading through this, I also discovered that the moon is moving away. It said, I'm out. (laughs) It said, I don't like you guys. Yeah. You don't seem like the vibe you were millennia ago. (laughs) So apparently the moon is moving away from the earth about one inch year over year. So enjoy that little existential crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know what the implications of that are. So don't panic yet. Uh, but it just is what it is, you know? Yes. Uh, there have been 24 human visitors to the moon and it is the only place beyond earth humans have set So while we've pushed out a lot of technology and robotics, there's been over 100 robotic visits just on the moon itself. But we have deployed other things into space, but humans have only touched the moon. Um, They haven't been to any other planetary system yet. Uh, Speaking of the robots, there are currently three robotic spacecraft exploring the moon. There is the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter, and then there's the twin Artemis spacecraft. And the Artemis spacecrafts are not affiliated with the current Artemis program. We'll talk about that later. Uh, But basically, the Artemis program is us trying to send astronauts back to the moon after all the Apollo series um, have concluded in like Early. I'm so excited for that. By I the way. know it's so exciting. Um, and there have been 12 moonwalkers, so that's physically going around the moon and collecting information and putting out probes and things like that. Um, our moon is considered the fifth largest within the solar system, of which there are 200 plus to compare to. Uh, the moon was also named the moon because apparently they didn't know there were more than one at the time. Uh, the next set of moons to be discovered was in 1610 by Galileo, and this was Jupiter's four moons. So we'll talk about Jupiter in another episode, but, you know. <laughs> it sounds like a classic human error. You know what <laughs> like, I mean? This it's is like, the only one. <laughs> this, is, this is what we know. And then, like, you know, hundreds of years later, we're like, actually, we were Just wrong. kidding. This is a great okay. example of discoveries through the time frame, you know? like We learned new information. <laughs> And then we we realized. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Now I'm going to have to bleep that out. Thanks, Blair. (laughs) It's fine. No, it's true. And this is just a really good example of that exact thing. Like, this is the only mood. Oh, just kidding. (laughs) 
there are plenty of others. 200, yeah. in fact. <laughs> um, we have about 842 pounds or 382 kilograms, again, if you're metric, of lunar rock and soil on Earth right now. And this is from all of the Apollo missions that took place. Uh, and we'll talk about those in the second half. Uh, and they're still being studied. So that's a lot of stuff to go through and a lot of things and if you think you're like oh well it's just a bunch of space rock no it's significantly more than that and they mm -hmm. do a lot of testing so it's not just oh it's moon dust it's what does it look like in this environment what does it look like in this will we do this to it is there changes so there's tons of experiments and tons of different things that they're doing to test the materials that go far beyond just ah it's from the moon <laughs> right um, one of those things was when they were trying to decipher um, what what it seems to me, at least, is anytime we send humans out or anytime we're sending robotics out into space, we're also looking for either evidence of or potential for life on other planetary systems planets right. moons and so obviously one of the biggest questions that they have is is there water or has there been water or is there potential for water uh and during initial explorations the analysis for the samples through the apollo missions they thought it was going to be very dry not a lot of movement in the water era um but from what i understand uh there was a mission uh, from India in 2008 that did detect hydroxyl molecules that were spread across the lunar surface and concentrated at its poles. And it shows that the surface of the moon has global hydration, but there are really high concentrations of ice water, which is permanently shadowed in the regions of the lunar poles. So again, that discovery, like, oh, it's dry. It's just this dusty, arid scape. But in fact, there is new studies coming out in the early 2000s that say, hey, actually, there could be or at least there's the molecules here to produce it, which is really cool. So just a yeah. little fun. As fact humans, we like water. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you I need always that think to about, Well, I always think about like how we're 80 percent water. And then <laughs> did you ever watch the Jimmy Neutron movie? Yes, like a long okay. time ago now. Right. So they get, I know, me too, but I think about this a lot. I don't know. Okay. Why. It like really stuck with me. So on, like the, they get captured by the aliens, right? Right. And then they, they end up calling them, like they, the aliens like figure out like what they're made of and they realize that they're about 80% water. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh, so these like jelly bags and they just call them <laughs> jelly bags for like the entirety of the yeah, movie. That's so rude. <laughs> It is rude, but it's not like <laughs> false either. First of all, I'm not a jelly bag. I'm a water balloon. Let's get that straight. I mean, fair. <laughs> fair. I may look like a jelly bag, but I'm actually made of water. <laughs> water with muscle and skeleton on the inside. <laughs> I got veins. That's right. Oh, well, yeah. that's a great so, throwback. Anyway, just wanted to like put that in there for everybody. Now I'm going to have to go back and watch that. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Did you actually, I'm going to segue for a second. Did you also see the one um, Jimmy Neutron movie where it was like Timmy Turner from the Fairly Odd Parents and they switched worlds? Yes, I oh did my see God. that. That was good. <laughs> that I, was really the good. Fairly Odd Parents is a very underrated show. Absolutely. Between that and SpongeBob, those were my jam. Okay. I mean, same. Yeah. And same. um, as told by Ginger, which I think was also Nickelodeon. Oh wow. Oh my That's God. A throwback. <laughs> 
that's like that's like yeah. wild thornberries area yes like yes that whole thing oh wow my mom loved the wild thornberries actually that was like one of her favorites it was a good show it i was. remember i like i remember the older sister when mm. they like traveled to the amazon or something and she like had to go get her all natural shampoo she realized <laughs> that she could get all the ingredients from the amazon yeah like, rainforest and that's how i learned about about how shampoo was made wasn't her name debbie why is that coming to my mind i don't I know think if you're that's right. her name yeah it was debbie it was eliza debbie and the the feral boy was named uh... <laughs> and the monkey <laughs> The feral boy was named Donnie. Yeah. And then I don't know. I forgot the monkey. I don't know. Yeah, I've forgotten now. And then uh, the dad is Nigel. Of course, because naturally. he's like a meme now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's fantastic. <laughs> anyway, back to space. <laughs> moon. Moon. Um, uh, we're talking about moon function. So the moon is responsible for a lot of Earth stabilization in its axis. Uh, this leads to relatively stable climate, which I've again, have my own opinions about these days, but anyway, it's doing its best. Uh, the moon is also responsible for our ocean tides, which I feel like is a lot, you know, a lot of people know that fact it is responsible for the tides. And, um, the fun thing about earth and the moon in terms of how they synchronize is they are actually tidally locked in their rotation which means that every time that you see the moon, you actually see the same side of the moon. Uh, This is what makes the complete orbit around the earth every 27 ish days and gives way to our lunar cycles. There's eight of them. There's the new moon, which is just, you can't see it at all. It's completely shadowed the waxing crescent first quarter waxing gibbous full moon, which is means you can see the whole thing on that side, waning gibbous third quarter and waning crescent. Um, And the fact stands that until 1959, when a Soviet spacecraft flew past the moon, we actually have never seen the far side of the moon. And that is a music quote from, um, I'm pretty sure, uh, a Disney movie. Or maybe it's the dark side of the moon from the Mulan. Let's get down to business. (laughs) Uh, Well, I know that there's a Pink Floyd reference in there somewhere. Absolutely. So. Um it's in there. Can I just say this is my favorite in relation to this. It uh-huh. um this is my favorite quote about okay. the moon and the tides and it's from Dwight's root on the office. <laughs> okay, this is it. Are you ready? I'm so ready. ready. I don't know where okay. this is going honestly. And I've seen the office. <laughs> okay. All right. So I forget what episode this is, but mm-hmm. it says he says, "I wish I could menstruate. If I could menstruate, I wouldn't have to deal with idiotic calendars anymore." <laughs> <laughs> I'd just be able to count down from my previous cycle. Plus, I'd be more in tune with the moon and the tides. Now, every and time if, I start my period, I'm going to be like, no, nah, I'm just tidally linked to the moon. Right. <laughs> no, you look up at the moon and it's full and you're like, of course. Of course. And like, honestly, <laughs> if 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 you were in doubt if White Fruit was a feminist, I mean, I feel like this clears it up for everybody absolutely actually this gives weight i'm glad that you said that at the same time though because i did not do any research on like um oh man and i just lost it too it was like uh, something that we use a lot to describe the moon and now it's gone and you reminded me so hard of it the phases of the moon 
something like that. If I think about it again, I'll say it, but it's like, I didn't do any research on it. And now that you've said that, I'm like, crap, that would have been great to include. Um, dang. Like the, the, how people are affected when it's a full moon, because I can yeah, talk about yeah, that yeah. all day. Honestly. Yes. That's exactly what I was like. Exactly what I was thinking about. Like when people say, oh, it must be a full moon, you know, like I did nothing. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, so if we, in my experience as a nurse, mm-hmm. when there is a full moon, and you, any nurse you ever talk to that works in a hospital or like even in outpatient and stuff too, if there is a full moon, people are going to be crazy. So yeah. if somebody starts acting crazy, it's very common to be like, oh, is it a full moon? <laughs> and then we check and it is. And it's Absolutely. True. It is people so People act weird about around the full moon. And it's like something to do with like the magnetic pole of the, like, right. how, I don't know. It's there. I don't know how much science is based in that, but like. <laughs> It is. I'm here to tell you it's real. It's a I mean, real thing. Correlation doesn't always prove causation, but I have to say it's uh, it's pretty on brand for, for the full moon. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I feel especially like night shift people. Like yeah. night shift people are out here yeah. in the hospital, you Ooh, know, doing, doing the, the Lord's work with a full moon, honestly. He gives his hardest battles to his strongest people. (laughs) Um, Okay. So beyond the functionality of the moon, uh, it does have very distinctive looks as well, weirdly enough. So most people know that if you look at the moon, you can see, you know, darker spots. That's craters and literal divots and pits in the moon that have been caused by asteroids meteorites comments just impacts and some of them can be as wide as 52 miles don't ask me what that is in kilometers i did not write it down um but that's a fact uh it also has a very thin atmosphere called an exosphere and it prevents us from being able to breathe on the moon hence why you need the spacesuits and is also why the moon is basically unable to sustain human life on its own as we know it of course Um, You know, you see movies and things where they've built like huts and igloos and like aerated, like manufactured steel, you know, like space stuff. Yeah, totally Um, space stuff. Right. So technically, is it possible to live on the moon? Maybe, but it would take a lot of work and a lot of materials to to do that because it just doesn't support life on its own. It would be really intense. Right. I think we would be better off building like a space station and people uh, yeah. do inhabit that. So exactly. <clears throat> um, also, similar to Earth, the moon does have three main layer structures. Um, it is the core, the mantle and the crust. We're taking it back to like middle school science now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where Earth we had science. to build it. Yeah, I love it. So the core is rich in iron and has a radius of about 149 miles, which is 240 kilometers. And it is surrounded by a liquid iron shell that is then also surrounded by a slightly molten layer over that. Oh, Um, I know. Right. Hmm. The mantle is made of olivine and pyroxene materials, which are produced by elements like magnesium, iron, silicon, and oxygen atoms. And then the crust is about 43 miles or 70 kilometers thick on the moon's near side. So I believe that side is the one that we can see. Mm -hmm. And then 93 miles or 150 uh, kilometers on the far side, the side that you can't see. 
Uh, and that crust layer is made of oxygen, silicon, magnesium, iron, calcium, and aluminum in large amounts. And then titanium, uranium, thorium, potassium, and hydrogen in smaller amounts. So it's made of a lot of stuff. A lot of good stuff. I like it. I yeah. also... Uh, this is kind of a, a tangent because I thought about putting this in and I was like, no, nah, but I'm going to do it anyway because it made me think about it. So I recently saw a TikTok of this girl who does a lot of space news. Like so that's just her like topic of choice on TikTok. Yeah. And I saw seen the creepy lake lady. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's spooky lake month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love her. Okay, all right. Same anyway, vibes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So she does a lot of space material and. Um, I saw it either last week or the week before where she had posted about moon dust and how, you know, we think of moon dust as this like soft, uh, kind of sand like powder. But if sure. you actually look at the structure, it is rigid. It is larger than you think it can be sharp. It's also pitted. And if you look at a picture online of like what it looks like under a microscope, it is wild looking. Um, and people who have walked on the moon get covered in it and it almost looks like they are covered in like coal dust, like from like working in a mine almost. Why, why am I having deja vu right now? I feel like oh, really? I've this somewhere else. You too. might have, as far as I know, it's kind of new. I mean, I think it might be new just cause I saw it, but you never know when the stuff is posted. Um, but I just saw this information like a week or so ago. Maybe it is say, new. I I feel like I've seen this somewhere else where like they were saying it's like really sharp and if yeah. you inhale it, it's yeah. like really bad for you. Yeah, it is because of how dense like it is it is larger than our sand and larger than our dust and it's um it doesn't get eroded a whole lot because there's not right. a lot going on on the yeah. moon. And yeah, so that's it right. just maintains this sharpy jagged kind of structure <laughs> yeah there's no you know? there's no um there's no wind so there's right. no it doesn't smooth down its edges or anything exactly and so it just breaks and it makes it like shards of glass exactly and if you look at there's pictures of astronauts who have been there and they take off their spacesuits and it's just like they look like they've just come out of a coal mine honestly yeah so yeah it's, it's insane and i like i said i didn't mean to include it because i was like well whatever but it's actually it's really cool so go look at it honestly <laughs> go look it up I totally I feel like I don't know where I read that or (laughs) I I have literally no idea where I got that information from but I totally knew what you were going to say yeah that's amazing (laughs) I love that connection um that's because we share a mind when it comes to these things (laughs) we do we do um and with that we are now going to move to the far side of the moon and uh give them (laughs) don't roll your eyes at me that was rough whatever oh my god (sighs) as rough as moon dust all right well enjoy the new ad we receive many questions regarding what exactly mediocre content podcast can be used for in the average person's daily life today we will address this question head-on with a list of everything you can do while listening to mcp kirsten take it away Laundry, cooking, biking, hiking, driving, typing, working, walking, jumping, um, tattooing, swimming, okay, launching a rocket, math homework, hopping, racing, singing, All right, shaking, I think they swinging, get it. Jogging, eating, spinning, zooming, fishing, Here's it. boating, Hello. teething, shopping, Girl, can you hear me? Taking out trash, gardening, building a house. Um, okay, it appears we've lost her. Cat, 
Um, well, just so you know, you could do a lot of things while listening to Mediocre Content Podcast. So, uh, yeah, that's 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 the whole ad. And um, uh, I'm going to go head over to the second half now. Um, Kirsten, come on over when you're better. All right. Bye, guys. Not listening to your wife eating peanuts. Welcome back, space cadets. <laughs> what were you going to say? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, please. Nothing. Oh, you got to no. do it now. Okay, pretend we didn't start. Listener, pretend we didn't start and Blair is going to just bring us on it. Okay, take it home, Blair. <laughs> Welcome back. I hope you brought your moon shoes for the second episode. <laughs> okay. Second half of the oh episode. Oh my God. No, you can't even <laughs> give me give me that. I, I Mine was also cringy. <laughs> uh anyway welcome back <laughs> we're gonna talk about uh formation and exploration in this second half and i like the way those words sound together which is why i put them together okay <clears throat> formation this is gonna be really short just because it, it just how the moon is the way that the moon is so it's not gonna take me very long are to you explain. Gonna, are you gonna tell us how it's why it's round or is that like different um i didn't even talk about that to be honest oh, on, that's okay like, yeah i'm sure it has to do with like the forces in space and blah 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 well but. okay so this takes me on another tangent for like another bit of science information i found out like not so recently maybe a, okay. a year or so ago mm-hmm. um the planets including earth are not as round as we think they are oh like they're rounded but it's more ovular apparently and not as uh perfectly round as we think that it is is what i've been told cool so like it is it is a circular shape but it is not a perfect circle so and neither like is egg, earth so like egg shape we're talking eggs yeah mm. mm-hmm. All like right, just then. slight egg energy go on and shatter my whole world view. i'm so sorry (laughs) existential crisis in this first half and now the world is like (laughs) topsy-turvy it's fine it's fine really um but there is the leading theory that the moon originated from a mars-sized body uh colliding with earth about 4.5 billion years ago and Mm -hmm. that debris from both earth and the impactor which is the body that of mass right um accumulated to form our natural satellite about 230,000 miles away or 384,000 kilometers uh, and the newly formed moon then was in a molten state at the time, but within mm. about a hundred million years, most of the global, what they call magma ocean had crystallized with less dense rocks floating up and eventually forming what is now that lunar crust that we talked about in the first half. Nice. So that is the estimation that is also probably what they assume to have been like the doomsday for a lot of things, I guess. I don't know if it was like dinosaur age, but it was definitely not cute. Uh, yikes. Um, <clears throat> I don't, I, so the collision that made earth is definitely before the dinosaurs. Oh, well, this is like the collision that made the moon. Oh, okay. So yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. So, okay. So this is what happened. So, okay. <laughs> I got it now. <laughs> so a giant rock hit yes, Earth and correct. a chunk of Earth 
flew off and made what is now the moon. Yes. In addition, and it was to- on fire. Oh, right. Yes. It was very hot. Okay. Um, All right. I'm sorry, you guys. I am super. I did not understand what she was saying. And her that- head's in space. <laughs> very dumb that was no, a very dumb, dumb moment no 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 you're not dumb no i should have explained that better so for context again this is the moon's origins and it came okay. from a chunk of earth colliding with a chunk of space rock that was about the size yeah. of mars i was thinking that we made <clears throat> earth and then in the process of making earth uh a, no a, a, a like a right a, a piece of earth like flew off in oh. that process that's what no. i was thinking no no, no. Okay. it's basically like two planets collided and the debris caused the moon to Got then it. yeah to exist Makes and sense. then orbit yeah 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 um so that's the moon's uh origin story <laughs> um and now we're gonna go along to exploration because that's really the nitty-gritty in my opinion so uh, there is the thing called the space race. It's been going on since about 1957 when we discovered we could actually send things, including people into space in general. Uh, and that kind of started with Sputnik. Um, and there's been extreme competition between other world powers, such as the United States, Russia and China, mainly uh, that are working to explore and get data and analyses on space in general since then. Uh, For the sake of time, we're only going to talk about the United States explorations. But of course, as expected, there are tons of other explorers that have done flybys, have had landings uh, with their robotic um, uh, robots. I mean, that's what they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, That have robots, robotic robots uh, that have contributed exponentially to the data that has come out of all this exploration. So just wanted to say that. We're still exploring, we're still researching, and we're also not the only ones doing it. So Apollo 11 starts America's journey to physically get people on the moon. This was July 16, 1969. And this was the first U.S. crew to land on the moon. It was the finest hour in America's space program. We made contact physically. just. In just eight years, we had gone from zero human spaceflight compatibility to landing men on the surface of the moon. And I mean that literally um, because it was Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. Uh, From these missions, scientists would develop a new view of the origin and evolution of planets, as well as life on Earth, which was very instrumental in figuring out, you know, the Earth's origin stories, I'm sure. the two astronauts landed in what's called the Mare Tranquillatus, which is the Sea of Tranquility, on July 20th, 1969. And they walked on the moon for over two hours, collecting rocks and soil and essentially laying out experimental packages to review on the moon and collect data. So that was our first first encounter physically with the moon. Yeah. There was then Apollo 12 in November of 1969 also. Uh, Apollo 12 touched down in Oceanus Procellarum, which is Ocean of Storms. And this mission was to demonstrate our ability to have more precise landing, like where we wanted to be on the moon to do our research. Uh, This had astronauts Pete Conrad and Alan Bean, who would explore in two moonwalks and collect over 75 pounds of samples and deploying nuclear-powered experimental packages. So up in the game in the experimental packages. I don't really know what was enclosed in the experimental packages. Like, I don't really know 
what they were composed of or what their real purpose was other than data collection. So you'd have to do your own research on that. I'm not really mm -hmm. sure on that one. And then a lot of people are familiar with Apollo 13 who had a failure in the oxygen tank um, and had to return to Earth. So that mission was unsuccessful. Uh, we had Apollo 14. This was sent to the Highland site that was just east of what the Apollo 12 explorers went through near the crater Fra Moro. They didn't give me a translation on that one. That's just what they called it. Uh, and this site was chosen to collect rocks blasted out from deep within the moon by the formation of the giant Imbrium Impact Basin, which is a crater over 620 miles in diameter and situated 3,723 miles north of the landing site. These, uh, this uh, mission had Alan Shepard and Edgar Mitchell, who conducted two moonwalks on the lunar surface and towing a pull cart filled with tools, they were able to return with 95 pounds of rock and soil from the moon, from that mission. Um, 1971 began the 3J missions. So this would be Apollo 15, 16, and 17. Apollo 15's mission was a really long stay with a greater focus on science that had been uh, more greater focus on science than had been previously possible with the other voyages. Mm -hmm. Apollo 15, uh, whose lunar module Falcon spent three days on the lunar surface, was the first mission to use a lunar rover, which is a, that small electric cart that allows you to travel many kilometers, you know, without oh, yeah. being too far. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, they were able to use that technology, which was new. Uh, on three lunar rover excursions, there was Dave Scott and Jim Irwin, who would explore the beautiful Hadley Apollo. Apennine landing site. Again, no translation for that, but it's a valley at the base of the main rim of the huge Ibrium basin that also includes both Mare and Highland rocks. The crew would return with what is known as the Genesis rock, which is composed almost entirely of one material called plagioclase feldspar. And it represents the most ancient crustal rocks on the moon to date. Hmm. Uh, they also found small fragments of emerald glass formed when magma from deep within the mantle was previously explosive and erupted through the crust to spray out the lava, which is just fun times. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, Apollo 16 was next. Sent the ancient crater Discarsis, which is deep in the lunar highlands. Uh, this is where astronauts John Young and Charlie Duke spent three days exploring. They traveled over 18 miles collecting more than 206 pounds of samples. So as you can also see through each of these, the amount of samples that were brought back was significantly higher each time, which is, yeah. again, a trade of the technology that was available to them. They deployed and operated the first astronomical telescope on the moon. For some reason, my mouth couldn't say astronomical. Uh, one puzzling observation by the crew was that the measurement of a very strong magnetic field on the surface was observed. And even though the moon has no global magnetic field, there were some lunar particles and samples that had remnants of magnetism. And to them, this suggests that the, that they cooled in the presence of strong fields. Um, and although we don't really understand lunar magnetism still, that's just kind of what they were using to try and make they, clearer at least they know it's like possible I exactly guess. or right. was possible at one time exactly 
So that's helpful, I guess. I don't really know what they're doing with that information now, but it contributed. And then the last one, the last mission in terms of human contact on the moon was Apollo 17, December of 1972. Uh, And then as discussed, they are going to have goals for future ones, but this was the last one at the time. Uh, This one had Gene Cernan and Jack Schmidt. Um, The first professional geologists sent to the moon was Jack Schmidt. And they spent three days thoroughly exploring what is called the Taurus-Littrow Valley. They returned Mm -hmm. with over 242 pounds of samples and deployed a set of new surface experiments. Uh, Apparently, they made startling and significant discoveries. The crew found 3.6 billion-year-old orange volcanic ash. Ooh. Right? And then from the mountains, they returned with crustal rocks and complex brachius created through the impact that formed... The Serenitatis Basin, man, these words, uh, which was formed almost 3.9 billion years ago. Uh, Lavas at this site are over 3.6 billion years old, and they are documenting at least 700 million year span of lava flooding the moon. So again, that was that magma ocean that they were talking about before it crusted over and crystallized. So that is the history of exploration physically with human contact on the moon for the United States. Um, There are upcoming goals of exploration as we've been kind of hinting at the entire time. In this case, the goal of the lunar return through their Artemis program is to not just prove that, you know, you can do it like the Apollo did because obviously we've been there, done that. Right. But this is to learn how the moon, how to use the moon to support new and growing spacefaring capabilities. And on the moon, they're hoping to learn skills and develop more technology needed to live and work essentially on another world. So really space agey kind of feel of living in space and traveling those distances. And they're hoping to use that knowledge and technology to open up solar system as a whole for human uh, exploration. So that's that. That's that's amazing. It's a lot, honestly. I know it's kind of overwhelming to think <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what I was I was like, yeah, we're just gonna go to the moon and learn how to live in space and stuff. Just another Tuesday. It's casual. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> casual well, and I think too, people don't really hear about space exploration un- until like right before we're about to launch a rocket or something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, unless you really follow it, but I feel like mainstream wise, I mean we don't don't hear hear about it so we don't know Mm -hmm. how far like when we think of space exploration we're still like thinking about the things that are happening in the 70s where we don't know how far we've really made it because we don't see it you know and so this should be interesting well and again a lot of what's being observed right now even today is robotic information and so you that's right you see headlines of satellites falling or like things coming back but you know like you said a lot of that physical touch is based in like the 70s which yeah is I, i'm not good at math but it's been a while it's been a while <laughs> since the 70s it has. like multiple decades of research that has been done hands off since then so exactly. this is a huge um push for more space exploration they now have the space force which is you know maybe gonna be helping with that i don't really know uh, don't ask our husbands about the Space Force because they will make all the jokes. 
but space force space force um you know i would i mean honestly if the space force is anything like star trek i'm into it like let's go uh lightning <laughs> speed <laughs> i'm ready my body is ready <laughs> There's also a really good Netflix show with Steve Carell called Space Force that uh, might be worth watching for everybody. I haven't watched it. I do like Steve Carell, though. It's funny. I don't think it, it's going anywhere. I think it there's like mm-hmm. two seasons and that was it. But. Oh, okay. Yeah. I saw on... So I went to go watch, um, you know, because I'm just uh, one of those people that just enjoys rewatching a bunch of shows and had a lot of commitment issues with starting new ones. Yeah, but- same. <laughs> I was going back to Netflix to watch my show. They have gotten rid of so much. Like there's literally a, like a, a, a middle season of this show that for some reason is also the audio is out of sync with the picture now. So I can't watch it because it's like they're talking, but you know how like they're talking and then the sound happens afterwards. Yeah. It's delayed. Yeah. It drives me insane. I'm like, why even bother? Just take the whole thing down. <laughs> just Just be done is- with it internet issue or is it a no it's legit it a show issue it's a show oh. issue i tried it on our tv app and then i tried it on my computer because i was also thinking well maybe it's just lagging no it's legit the show itself it's been posted that way why what show I, is it it's an anime oh okay <laughs> that's kind of what i thought it's black butler if anybody else is aware oh, yeah. of it yeah okay so it's black butler they have season three on there in the ova the season three is the one that's giving me issues so maybe anybody anybody else experiencing this problem i don't know <laughs> i don't know help her out to watch her anime i know i'm a different i could just buy the crunchyroll subscription but then i you know that's have too many subscriptions you know it's too many it is too, too many. many and i could pay the yearly subscription but it's so expansive it is so expansive oh, i just don't want to spend the monies on that but I apparently don't want to spend monies on Netflix either because I can't even watch the shows that are on there and they don't even it's, have that many. It's so complicated now. We need to do, yeah. maybe that'll be, we've talked about this, doing a future pod about all the like streaming services and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll add it to our um, our social series. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we'll call it... Uh... <laughs> I was thinking of a pun and I, for some reason, was just like, mother, are you streaming? Because I thought about Laura, are, are you breathing? Are you, nobody gets that. <laughs> but that's our joke. That's Yeah, nobody gets that. <laughs> anyway. All um, right. We're going to uh, take this somewhere else now. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're coming in for a landing on this one. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Anything else to add, Blair? No. Okay. <laughs> Nothing else. Okay. Well, if you have something to add or if you have future recommendations, feel free to send them our way at mediocrecontentpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us at mediocre squawks or follow us on Instagram at mediocrecontentpodcast. We would love to see you guys over there. Um, and that's all I have. So I guess we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>